And are you doing intro or am I doing intro? Oh, uh, yeah, you can just go ahead and okay. start. Good, good morning. If you're on the West Coast of the U.S., good afternoon. If you're on the East Coast, good evening. If you're other places in the world. Uh, my name is Michael Filigera. I am with TradersHelpingTraders.com and LogicalSignals.com. Both of those are my websites. And a little bit of history of me, for those of you who don't know me, um, I have been trading in the markets since 1979. Uh, I started as an options market maker here on the Pacific Coast in San Francisco. I have traded here on the Pacific Coast Options Exchange, the London Traded Options Market, the European Options Exchange in Amsterdam, and also got my introduction to all electronic trading uh, via the DTB, which is the German exchange. Uh, when I was living in Amsterdam, I was able to do that electronically. Came back to the United States in 1997 and went back to the Pacific. And as everything started to go electronic, things started to get too slow on the floor. So about 2001, I decided I was going to leave the floor and go to uh, build a home office and continue to trade, which I did. And I started to get tired of the volatility in the markets and, and having overnight positions and, and options. And in about 2013, I decided that I would become a day trader. Uh, easier said than actually done. And so I have spent the last 10 years uh, developing and trading, day trading, and primarily futures. And so currently, what I do is I, I have a trade room. I uh, do trade every day. And I also provide a daily update on the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100 on YouTube. And so I have a YouTube channel. I have to actually two channels and I get a daily update. And then I'm, but once a week, I do a big picture technical update. And there I will include the S&P, the NASDAQ, uh, the Russell. And then I take a look at uh, the treasury markets, gold and silver and the U.S. dollar. So. I mean, I will begin right away. I'm uh, Jill is already asking for Dell. Um, so we can go there. But understand that my primary source of um, analysis is the Elliott Wave, the Elliott Wave principle. And I also use Fibonacci. So when I'm pulling up a screen and I'm pulling up your choices, as in Dell, you're going to get the chart in Dell, and I'm going to look at it in an Elliott Wave base on an Elliott Wave basis. And what I would think here in Dell, and I have a daily chart, and the daily chart basically, we're not having any basis on where this has come from and where it might be going to next. I'll go out to a 20-year chart, and that takes us back to the pandemic low. And actually, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. It might have one new high left within it. Uh, otherwise, it has completed what I would consider a five-wave pattern up, or it completed it there with, with the markets in uh, 2022, did an A and put in a very large B wave, which turned into an irregular B wave, and now it's just going to start to tumble down. Um, okay, so... I think what I wanted, what I would like to begin with, it's like, I know it's like people are going to be asking their stocks. And these are things that I don't necessarily uh, do a daily analysis on. So you'll be asking for a picture that's just on the fly. And so, we, which is fine with me. Uh, AT&T, they did not like the earnings. They did or they didn't. It's hard to kind of 
tried to figure it out. This again is the weekly chart. They did like things. So I know they came out today. Um, what everything that you do in your and in, in when we're adding all of these together, they have to actually coincide and live along with the broader um blowout earnings. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're going to continue to repeat, but we need to consider a lot of other data and a, a much larger picture that could affect each one of these companies. Because I've, I have found over my years that there's not going to be one company that's just going to go counter to what the balance of the market is or is not doing. So whether AT&T had blowout earnings, if you're buying into that now, you're buying into a situation where you're counting on history repeating itself. And yes, all, all indicators are lagging. So what I tend to go on is that I could take it right from this high. AT&T, let's take it from the high that we had in January of this year. Yes, January of 2023. The market <laughs> did five waves down. Now, what that completed possibly off of here. Yeah, so I'm coming down off of this high, right? This was the high that we had in 2016. And I'm going to say that that's an A wave. This is a B wave. And now we got a big, big C wave down and it's a diagonal actually and it may have just completed but what we've I can take it right from there you got a five clean five waves down which is going to be followed by three waves up which this could be the A that's the B and now we're doing a C wave and if we do that C wave then it's likely got some more to go and I would be expecting it to get above that high if I drop this down to the daily chart you can see it's much cleaner so it gapped this morning and either it's going to form an island and it's going to die or we're going to get a continuation and this could be a one two that's a three and a four and a five you might peg the 200 the daily 200 simple moving average another thing that i could do is you can use fibonacci and you're going to be tracking a to b to look what c could be and again see that yeah, it kind of coincides with that um 200 period, simple moving average, which sits at $16.76, 100% would be where the C wave is equal to the A wave. And that's the most common uh, for that relationship, the C to A. And that's coming in at $16.42. So it's just surpassed today the, the first resistance level of 1564, blasted up through it, is now trading back below it, which does not surprise me. And now it's going to have to actually do its battle to get itself up there. AT&T is a part of several indexes. Therefore, it will also it will also go along with whatever those indexes are doing because it's a part of a basket of stocks. And as things change in those indexes, so will it come with AT&T. So, but right now, yep, it still has upside potential on that one. Uh, let me see, because there was a couple there uh, before I move on. Uh, Robert, you wanted Palantir and SoFi. Um, yep. I'm actually going to go through these and then I'm going to want to shift over and I'm going to do a generalized, it's not actually generalized, it's very detailed uh, analysis on the SPX and the ES um, because that's really what's in control of our markets right now. Yeah. See, a lot of this is just like Palantir. So they're still just kind of bouncing off of the 2023 lows, but the 2023 lows and those were in January. So, yeah, so it made an additional bottom, but actually it's actually December. It just, spiked there 
One, two, three. Palantir has an does have a could have a strong probability of getting itself above uh, twenty twenty nine, um, where it might find resistance. Yeah, see here, it's much cleaner. One, two, three, four, and you've got a five. And what we can do is go this. Where's that low? Uh, right now, it's just cruised past, got stuck at the hundred percent, and that's the and the relationship is I'm comparing this to this final rise. And the most common is equality again. And that was at 1815, got above it, drifted back below. And now it's probably, it's reacting more because it's a part of the NASDAQ. And the NASDAQ right now is bouncing between higher, lower as the markets bounce and try to interpret and plan what uh, is going to be happening in interest rates. And so what's what's really, what's really behind the market? Um, and that's what Palantir is kind of doing in here. So, but it does have the ability or the potential that it could get up to 2091, and that's going to be 1.618. So the most common Fibonacci relationships for this these two waves that I'm comparing would be 100%. But we know that normally, if this is one, two, and that's three, the fifth wave normally is going to take out that high. That's a 2039. Well, your next one up is 1.618. That's the second most common. The third, 1.618 has already been, already been cleared. So that is no longer going to be counting. And then what above that? You have 2.618 at 25. Now, you get to determine whether you think that against the index that it might be sitting in, whether it really is going to get up to 25.38, or is it going to drift lower if the index goes lower? So that's always the big thing, which is why I tend to uh, stick to the indexes. The individual stocks, if they're part of an index, um, this does not present a very bullish picture to me at SoFi. In fact, I would say that it has rallied and is now going to drop. And you've got the uh, 50 weekly, 50 weekly period moving average. It's a simple moving average. It's 677. And I would say that's where it's headed. But first thing it's got to do is break solidly below the 100 period moving average, which it's resting on right now. A break there may throw this mark, throw SoFi into seeing a little bit of um, stronger downside acceleration. That's usually what will happen when you're breaking these larger uh, moving averages. It breaks and it goes. And the, and the target would then be here. What's not on this chart is, well, edit study, put and quickly get, because I want to look at the 200, which is going to be also important on this particular uh, chart. Now you're up here somewhere. That some quick, yep, here. I put multicolor, that, see it, apply it. You can see, see what happened here? <laughs> that it came up and it touched and broke above. This was today, actually, kind of broke above. But when it broke back below, it accelerated. So this is on the week. So at some point this week, let me go back down to the daily and see. Yeah, it was yesterday. Got up and it didn't make it. And that just brought in a round of selling. And you can see that right there. Got up, it failed and closed. Or opened below, just kind of filled it, filled in its own little gap. I would say definitively that it's headed down to now it has now my 200 shows up here, but another one shows up here. It's heading down to seven, would be my thought. Um, let me kind of just try to keep up with these messages, guys. Cash covered puts you're looking to sell puts in SoFi. Um, okay, so you're gonna you're selling SoFi and selling puts, okay. Um, oh, NVIDIA. NVIDIA, I'm going to do NVIDIA, but NVIDIA is a big part of the NASDAQ and, you, and it will, it, it has a lot of control in the NASDAQ. 
NVIDIA as well made a low back in October of 2022. So that goes along with the low in the NASDAQ. And then it did here, probably the, I'm going to count it as a one, two, three, four, five. So it finished five waves up to this high. Now that was a spike high, 504. It tried to go back up to it, didn't. So you get an ABC, you know, an A wave, a B wave, and now it's putting in a C wave. So if you really wanted to look and see what this thing has potential to do, you kind of go from here to here to here. And there's your ticket on NVIDIA. Right now it's just sliding through uh, the 0.618. But if I had to not include that, but call that that the high, which they do, they do not include that. They, they put that high over here. Then you got an A, a B, and you're looking for a C wave coming down before anything else would happen. So it's either going to be one, two, three, four, five, and then that's it. And then video is all cooked, or it's going to be an ABC and then video can then turn and rally again. Now, when you want to compare this to what my outlook is for the index in which it sits in, it's a major player within the NASDAQ. And the NASDAQ right now, I'm, I am, my analysis basically is showing that regardless of what happens to interest rates, regardless of what happens outside of some influences here, our markets are extremely overvalued and are likely to just correct. They're in, they've been in that process of correcting since 2022 since January of 2022. So we're basically just a, you know about a year and three quarters into this larger, longer time frame correction. So NVIDIA managed to work its way up to new all-time highs as it blew the doors off with artificial intelligence. Now, along with that artificial intelligence, it's, it's something, it's a, it's a new sector. It's been around, but it's a new sector and it likely is here to stay and it's going to be improved and it's going to have many, many functions other than just, you know, writing somebody's college thesis. There are going to be a lot of really strong usages of it. And we already know that they're in play because that's what actually functions when we're talking to, you know, like, on a, on a helpline or something, and it's and or just information gathering. So artificial intelligence is already there, and then is able to give answers, is able to to provide things for people, just because of the algorithm and how it's functioning. But right now, I'm going to say that Nvidia, which is not saying whether it's a good company or a bad company. See, that's the other thing that I really want to make clear when we're looking at our big big tech companies. Nvidia has got a lot of cash. Apple's got even more cash. Google has tons of cash. Amazon, tons of cash. These are big companies. They're not going away. So what you really need to, to look at is like, okay, where can they go as the market itself corrects? Apple will continue to provide product, but how much of it is it going to be able to sell? How much is it actually going to happen? All of that does not suggest that Apple is a bad company. We know they're not. Most of us already use Apple products. So they're good products. They're great products. I love Apple, but Apple is not going to skirt higher interest rates. They're not going to they're not going to be able to say, "Oh, that doesn't affect our earnings." They're not going to be able to skirt any geopolitical things that may be happening. Why? Because we've become a global marketplace. And as we saw that Apple had to go spend a whole bunch of time trying to get a new place to build the phones, build build those iPhones because China started to restrict. What if that continues? What if China does make a move and take over Taiwan? I know these are what if type of statements, but that doesn't mean that Apple is not going to survive. It just means that adjustments will be made. So how much do you want to pay for NVIDIA? 
for a chip that right now is in demand. But what happens when it can, when it when that demand lessens? Does it mean that Nvidia is is not a good company? Not at all. The fact that they developed and made that chip tells you that they're they're a stellar company and their products are in demand. But but corrections are just a normal part of a market, pure normal part of a market. So we'll be I would be expecting if we're going to get an where this this particular drop equals this drop, you're looking at 386. If it's going to come down even more, which is something if it's a one, two, and this is a three, a third wave down, then you're looking here. Now, does this say that NVIDIA is not a good market? No. Or a good company? No. It just says it got way overvalued. If you really have to think about, you know, when you're doing um, PE ratios, PE ratios get way out of line and we're, and we're taught to accept them. Well, everything will correct. Everything will come back into line. Markets cannot run counter to what, let me just start one step back. Excuse me for just a moment. One step back. I have what I call my pecking order. And within that pecking order, what sits at the top are interest rates. Why? Because interest rates control everything. Because it's like you have to pay to borrow money and what you'll get if you lend it. Everything else is moot. So now if we come down that line, so what happens in interest rates? How does it roll down? Well, the first one down there after interest rates is basically the bond market, your treasuries. And again, it's like where money is lent and where money, what you're going to get if you own the, the, the note or the bond, right? If you're lending or you're borrowing, then what comes next? Well, you have the currency, right? What? So a higher or lower interest rate is going to affect the dollar. How does that dollar then moving higher or lower affect things down the line? So you got all these little moving parts kind of coming into, into play here. What's underneath all of that? Your corporate level. Why? Well, because Apple, even Apple in all of its mighty borrows money. NVIDIA borrows money. So if their borrowing needs come up now, they're going to be paying a higher interest rate. So that comes into play. And then what sits next below corporate? What I call corporate, it's all the companies. All of us, folks, retail. That's me. That's you. What do we pay? via credit card? What do we pay for a new home loan? What do we pay for a new car loan? And we're already feeling that pinch. Even though we all may have really great salaries, suddenly they're like, you don't qualify for that loan. Really? How come? My, my, you know, Farrite, my credit score is 750 or my credit score is 800. I should be entitled to everything. It's like, yeah, you do have great credit, but you need to earn this much to have that loan because of how much it's going to cost you to pay it back. So, you know, this is the pecking order. So to me, here we have NVIDIA at 476 is where it kind of got to at that top. Now, where's its fair value? Going to have to put it all together, right? But what the, what the market along with the Fibonacci and the pattern is telling me, we have a risk of this market dropping to 386 or 331. Combining that with, you have your moving averages also within there. So, okay, there it is. So you can see here, this is the 100 simple moving average, widely watched by institutions, by the way. It got broken yesterday in NVIDIA. And what happened when it did? Went from 39 down to 22. Lickety split. I was there. And if anybody else was trading NVIDIA, you saw it too. Like, wow, what created that? It pulled in more sellers because it broke a moving average on a daily chart, an important moving average. So what do we got below that? Well, what do we have? We got the 200. So I want to tell you, if it comes down here, it breaks, and it gets to here, and it doesn't hold, 
get out of the way, get out of the way. And again, it's not really stating that that NVIDIA is a bad company. It's just stating that the market, the market is in trouble. So now, now you're kind of seeing like why I would then turn around and why I'm going to start most of the time with, with like the NASDAQ. <clears throat> okay. Um, earnings are one thing, my friend, and, and I'm sure that the market will react accordingly, but it's, it's what I have found is like, we can't go on the status quo and the status quo tells us, well, well, all of these companies have been blowing the doors off of earnings. Netflix blew the doors off of earnings. Okay, great. But how do I think that Netflix is really going to hold itself above 400? If interest rates go up and the markets collapse, Netflix is not going to go like, okay, well, we had great earnings, so we deserve to stay at 400. Okay, you can say that until the cows come home, but people are going to start taking profit. People are going to turn it just as quickly. So I think that earnings are great and we play earnings and there are great earnings plays to do, but I always have to put that encapsulated with what is the outlook for the markets themselves? What's the interest rate outlook? What's, what are all these things put together? And then talk to me about it. Because again, if earnings are coming out and then whoever it is on 11-2 that's going to do the re report those earnings, remember, they're reporting the last quarter. So that forward guidance, I don't know too many CEOs or CFOs that are going to come out and say, you know what, our forward guidance is saying like, this is all going to slow down and we're not going to do it. One that I, what I hear continuously doing it is Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan. And and sometimes I might hear it from other larger, larger companies. So again, you know, it's, it's, it's like we're all on our own here and we can determine what we want to do. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Qualcomm um, and Zion. Okay. Let's, let's take a look at Qualcomm. I think the best way I'm going to put this is I want to take a look at LAM Research before I do Qualcomm. LAM Research reported yesterday. And they reported decent forward guidance, what their expectations were. The stock went down anyway. And I suppose if I really took a look at their, their, um, I know I can't remember the name of the reports, you know, that you can get and you can look at where their debt is and, and what that, you know, where, what's going on with inside the company. And if they, if they have a large amount of debt, if they have things that they need to refinance, it's going to create a big problem. So what, what we're beginning to see is higher interest rates holding higher, how that affects corporate earning, how that affects how much money a company will or won't. When they need to service debt and the interest rates tick up, it's going to cost them more to service the debt. Doesn't mean they're a bad company, but does it mean it's like, well, are we should, should we really be paying $630? And the answer was no. And now they're trying to figure out, should we be paying $607? Now, also what goes into all of this, my friends, is that and we know if any of you are option traders, we have options that trade on every last one of these stocks that you're asking me to look at. So, and those have a big play, right? Because what did, what was it what, it, that um, somebody was, Jay was talking about, he's, he's going to sell puts to hedge a position or to support a position. So again, that has an effect on the price of the stock or where it's going to go. So a lot of times earnings is one thing. Options are a whole nother world. And if you're selling puts, right, what's the hedge? Sell the stock. If you're selling calls, what's the hedge? Buy the stock. So a lot of times you're seeing a stock go up. It's like, well, I go take a look at the options to see what the premium and the options are. Because a premium seller is like, yeah, they don't care. I'm going to sell that premium. I'm going to buy that stock. And then eventually I'll probably whip over and buy the put if they continue to take the stock higher. And now I've just locked in my trade and I have it risk-free. 
A lot of trading going on. And it has nothing to do with, is the company good or the company bad? It has to do with the numbers. So, um, and that's from an old market maker telling you that, that you make so much money from, you know, a, a market maker lives for premium. That's the name of the game. They're trading premium. And now in today's world, we have zero DTE options. And the, the zero DTE options, what that means is zero days to expiration. And those things trade like, um, I, I really want to give you Qualcomm, but I want I, this, this is also very important to kind of keep an eye on. And let's take a look at the spiders. Everybody's favorite, the spiders. And these options expire today. These options expire in an hour and 30, 25 minutes. Look at the size, right? We have this at 427.58, the high 32, the lowest. Oh, they're just coming off of their low. Okay. So what do we got down here? These are the strike prices. So 427, oh, coming into view. They weren't expecting it. They weren't expecting it to come into view. Look at where the volumes were. Each one of these, you have a delta, you have a gamma, you have a theta, you have a row, right? Delta, you know, dollar for dollar, what happens if there's a dollar move in the spiders? What happens to that option price? Gamma goes and tells you, well, if there's a if there's a one delta move, if there's a delta move, how does that affect my position? And so if the stock, if we have this big movement in the spiders, which we are, your gamma, if you're long these things, your gamma is going to go nuts. If you're short these, your gamma is going to go nuts. And you are forced to adjust. You don't have to be bullish or bearish. Your position is going to tell you what you need to do. So again, I'm telling you, know, when I'm looking at an index or something and, and somebody says, well, are you bullish or bearish? It's like, no, I'm neither. I, I, I do not trade with a bullish or bearish focus. I trade on price action. I trade on, you know, what, what's this move going to do? And in fact, when you're trading an option, I'm trading premium. And the premium is going to be rich every single day. This is the SP. This is the spiders. 37. Look what if I go two weeks out at 17. Why is it 37? Because they expire today. And you've got a pretty big range for the spiders. You can take a look elsewhere to where the range is going to be bigger, also with S&P product, which is the S&P future. These options expire today. The range is 43.46, oh, excuse me, 43.66 to 43.11. That's a $55 range in the S&P. That's huge. That's huge. This, this, is now, because it doesn't have a whole lot of life left, the volatility starts coming out. But these things, okay, so now we're going to go down very quickly. Here's a little options deal. 4.15, 43.15. So what if you're buying that call, what is what you're buying is the right to purchase one S&P future, I believe, because these all settle in cash at 43.15. Well, the future itself is at 43.12 or 43.12.75. Now for that right, you're going to pay $6.45. These expire in an hour and a half. Their life is done in an hour and a half. You're paying that much premium. Do you know how many algorithms are out there going like, sure, I'll sell that. And I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this. Now, what also comes into play here is called gamma. Now, here again, you can go down and you can look at where the volumes are. They weren't expecting this move. So they all jumped to get and sell these 4,400s because it wasn't going to happen. So whatever premium was in there early got nailed, got nailed. So this is what happens when we're trading. 
It, it, it isn't necessarily that it's like, well, I'm bullish or I'm bearish. It's like, no, I'm trading premium and that's how I'm going to make my money. And unfortunately, because zero DTE options are now becoming very, very popular, right? I mean, for the, for the uh, NASDAQ, which is a gigantic index that just goes all over everywhere. You know, so now what we're dealing with, look at these, this is huge volume. Now, these are the Qs, $6 range in the Qs. That's that's pretty big. Now, if I'm, and what this is now works against is the NASDAQ. NASDAQ options don't really trade all that much, but I'm just going to go out here and let's just take a look at a 15 minute, well, the five minute charts. This is the five minute chart in the S&P, all right? This is when, kind of this okay this is pacific time okay because i'm in san francisco this was when powell's um yeah we also have to understand J jerome powell the fed chairman came out and he gave he gave his little talk his last one that he's able to do because now we go into what they call the silent period to where no fed governor no fed president no no chairman or even or vice chair can go out and talk up anything about what the fed may or may not be doing they go silent until we get their answer at the end of the month on November the 1st. Okay, so in between, he's going to come out and he's going to give a speech today. Well, they always, always, always send out that speech, send out all of that pre-written, and they give it to firms, anybody who can pick it up quicker than you and I can find it on a news service. And so that was the initial reaction. And then we got this. Now, this is a five-minute chart. So so. We had 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. In 25 minutes, the market went from 43.29 and it hit its high at 43.66. Then in 5, 10, 15 minutes, it went from 43.66 down to 43.14. And then the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes, it went back up to 43.62. And now they are killing it. Again, what happens to those options? They're going nuts because they expire. So what we have in between all this, uh, this, this might be a little complex and I apologize, but when you understand the Greeks, delta, gamma, theta, rho, rho is interest rates. Theta is the decay, the decay in that option price as it moves further away from the strike price and, and it's a long call and it's going up. Theta, you know, it's going to go to intrinsic value. So it'll move dollar for dollar with with it, whatever's happening in your index. But if you got premium and it's moving away from that strike price, the decay is what that price will collapse down to until it goes to in, its intrinsic value, which may be zero. Again, a 4315 call in the ES literally right now has no value. Because why would I want to pay 4315? I can go out and pay 4308, 4309. I don't need that call if I'm really interested in buying it. But why do I want to trade that? Well, because if somebody's paying $6 for it or, you know, they're going to sell it to me and I, maybe I'm short already or whatever, you know. So the name of the game is premium and this is how it all functions. But these indexes move in, in, incredibly quickly. Now, back to Qualcomm. On the daily, Qualcomm has been moving sideways. When do they have their earnings? I don't know if they, maybe they've already reported their earnings. And I am watching the clock. Um, but we got a little gap. And then we have a sideways move. So maybe that's A, that's a B. And we've got this seemingly diagonal, which should have an upward bias. And it does. 
Hmm. I say can't. It, I think it's going to get stuck real quick. And, and actually, it's trading back down. So it ran up, and now it's back down. Yeah, so that could have been it. And now we're just going to work our way back lower. And your support's going to come in at 107.64, 106.30. And a break below 105.14 is going to drive it down to probably give a test to that uh, May low at 101. And a break below that, I'd have to go up to the next level. This is where Fibonacci is going to, really going to benefit you because you can see if I start breaking here, the, the big thing is look left. Look how far back I have to come to find support, price support. I have to come back into 2020. Wow. So Qualcomm is, on a, is, is really on a very, very dangerous plateau right now. It can't break down. If it breaks down, it's going to go because there's nothing down here. And it's already on a weekly basis. It's already broken the 200. It's broken the 50. It's broken the 20 broken all of them. And they're going to start to line up, right? Right now, they've got them where they're lining up to be in alignment. And when they're in alignment, that's the trend is showing you it's down. Okay, once the 100 comes down below the 200 simple, then the 200's on top, which it should be going down. And then you have the 100, then you got the 50, then you got the 20, all pointing down. Right now, because it's basically done a sideways move, you can see your moving averages are sideways as well. So that's that's going to be resistance. Anytime something's going to move up, that's going to be resistance to, to this stock. So I wouldn't hold a lot of high hopes for Qualcomm. If you're short it, ah, you might want to hang on. That would be there. But understand, I do not make recommendations. I do not. Now, I wanted to go back and just talk for a moment, if I may, on the S&P. All right. Here's my chart. This is my long-term weekly chart. That is the all-time high. If you have any understanding of Elliott Wave, this was where we reached an intermediate degree fifth wave, a primary fifth wave, a cycle degree fifth wave, and super cycle third wave. So what we're doing is a super cycle fourth wave correction. Well, when you're using the um, when you're using the SPX. This particular rally, which completed this super cycle wave three via the SPX, it started in 1942 and it completed in 2022. So it was a 90-year rally, which included a depression, several recessions, a world war, uh, an additional conflict in Korea, a conflict in Vietnam, a conflict in, in uh, Desert Storm, a conflict in Afghanistan, um, all kinds of things, lots of crashes. Oh, by the way, in case anybody didn't realize, today is the anniversary of the 1987 crash. It happened on October the 19th, 1987. Isn't it appropriate that we're kind of going down just to kind of hats off to that crash? So, but anyway, what we're really looking for is now, if we're coming down, we're looking for an ABC. That's the correction. It's going to be an ABC. And all subsequent degrees will operate in the same fashion. So right now I'm looking for an ABC in cycle degree. Well, if I'm in cycle degree wave A, what's going to be inside? A primary degree A, B, and I'm in a primary C. So what does the Elliott wave show me? Now, there, there are alternate counts in here, and I got a lot of people that want to tell me, no, 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 no way. We're going to new highs. Well, if we're going to go to new highs, you better have a catalyst. There's not a whole lot of talk that's supportive of a healthy economy right now, which we're not. We're not burning up. But we're not operating on all cylinders. So there, were, there is a small wave by two by here that I missed on a weekly. Okay, well, let me take this down to my daily and you can see if I did or if I didn't. By this two, that's the only two I can see. Earlier two. Uh, I would be way over. Um, 
why that was missed. If you're talking, that's not going to... I pretty much am not sure where you're thinking that wave two is. One, two, three, four, ABC, one, two, right? One, two, one, two. So I'm kind of got them all there. If you're talking about even further down this road, it's there. It's just way, way behind. I'm going to go out to my 20-year. You can see it's going to get all squished up there. One, two, there's the two. Back in 2011, and there's the there is the... The primary, there's the intermediate, there's the primary degree, here's the intermediate degrees. Coming down, it's an ABC. In the middle, there was another kink. In the middle of here? Anyway, um, DJ, I think that you you follow me on, on YouTube, and if that's the case, we can talk about it, um, and I'll, I'll show it to you. But in the meantime, let me go back at the start to next yellow two. That would be way over here. So you're telling me that I'm missing something? Here, missing something here. I just didn't fill it in. At start next to yellow two, at the start. One, two, it's true, it was. And there's three, there's four, there's five, and that formed this minor wave one. So, but if you're considering this to be a one, two, mm -mm, no, that doesn't. In any case, what the analysis, what my analysis shows, we're in a primary C wave down. And within that, we're in intermediate wave three, because the primary C, all C waves have to be five waves. Um, that I can talk about, but right now I don't have enough time. So tell you what, if you're the DJ that, that follows me on YouTube, send me a comment. I'm going to get in touch with you and we'll go over that. I promise. Um, okay. So within this primary C wave, we have five waves of intermediate degree. Here's intermediate one and two. So we're in intermediate wave three. Wave three, often, most often, not if almost always, is the longest and the strongest wave out of a five-wave sequence. So we're coming down, and we're coming down hard. And so we've just actually now are kicking in, I think, because we continue to break down, we may have finished the wave two. I've been giving the benefit of the doubt that it's an ABC, and we still can rally up. That, that That's kind of kind of going by the wayside here as they're kicking the crap out of the market as we get to the close. So again, I'm trying to transfer all of this data into a daily, and then I trade it. I trade it on a very small time frame. And I think it's going to sit right behind. No, it won't because I changed my... When I'm day trading, I'm trading off of a two-minute, a one, a two-minute, a five-minute. I take a look at a 15-minute chart. I take a look at my hourly chart, but my primary trading is on a two-minute chart. And I want to tell you how these moves... Um, I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm gonna just show you again. I, I did before. Let's do it again. This is a two-minute chart. This is today. This is today. These are incredible moves. These are incredible moves, and they're very tradable. And every time this market ticks per tick is twelve dollars and twenty-five cents. Twelve dollars and twenty-five cents here in the Nasdaq. It's five dollars. Five dollars every tick. So again, you could get you can get wiped out in a heartbeat or you're going to sit on the right side, or you're going to learn how to manage your risk real quick. But the opportunities, the opportunities are pretty incredible. If you can learn how to manage risk, if you can learn how to really move in and out of the market. Yeah. Yep. A one minute and a 10 minute. Yep. I get it. I get it. a lot of people have different things. I like the two and the five, um, but everybody has their own way. One minute is going to give you your signal a lot quicker. I'll give you that. Um, my point here is that when I'm giving analysis, it's not necessarily with a bullish or bearish bias, although although 
I understand how it's interpreted because I'm saying I'm looking for a C wave down right now. My fibs, my fibs on the, on where's this primary C wave? Well, first of all, I'm going to be looking for it to take out the low of wave A, and that's all be down here at 36, 30. What is that? That low was 3673 basis of December contract. This is actually 3502. So basis of December contract, which we're still in. So, but again, I put my fib. So I'm using Elliott and then I wrap Fibonacci around it to give me an idea of how far can this go. So there, so the things that we can learn are there are Fibonacci relationships that go along with each one of these waves. Right? Or in the one I, I believe, whatever stock it was, and I said, well, this wave to this wave, you know, this move to that move. And I was showing it as a fifth wave. Because if you if you study Fibonacci and you study Elliott, there are relationships between the two that help you determine what what's the potential. What's the potential? And because we're in a very volatile period in our markets, we have to go along with the fact it's like, you know what? These markets can flip and turn on a dime and run through, run through resistance and support several times in one day, run up and over uh your moving averages multiple times in a single day, today being a perfect example. And I got about three minutes. Today, look at these. This is all today, right here. And this thing has been up and up and down over the, the one hour, the hourly 200, several times, several times. It's crazy. It's literally crazy. On this one, I'm going to wonder what the hell this is. But it, it's just up, produce that rally, break it, cause this, Break it again right there. And then we get this. It's, it's, yeah. How do I put this all together? Hmm. It could be very frustrating, but it also could be very rewarding. And I know that a lot of you guys trade stocks and a lot of them are you're just buying a stock, or you're selling a stock, or maybe like, like, uh, Jay, you're using options to hedge. Very, very smart way to trade. So I, what I try to do is when I'm giving my updates, I talk about it because there's all kinds of different people that come in. And maybe they're just long or short an index. Or because we have spiders, we with this, we have the ES, we have the spiders, we have SBX options, we have um, ETFs on the spiders is an ETF, but we have additional ETFs. If you're trading the, the NASDAQ, you have the NASDAQ future, you got the Qs, you got the SQs, TQs, and options on all of them. That on the Qs and the S and the TQs, they trade like May we, we They're very, very big. And the Qs, the Spiders, the ES, and the SPX all have daily options that expire. Lots and lots and lots of plays, lots of things to do. And when you can combine all that, you're going to get a picture of what the market is. It may not be bullish or bearish. And that's kind of where I am going to end it and say thank you very much, David.